sometimes a story just bears repeating, especially when it's a story that, that just feels so appropriate to the season. So from that favorite category of mine, truth is stranger than fiction, I, I have to share this story again. It was about a year ago that the Sarasota Herald Tribune reported that a couple in Parrish, Florida, called the sheriff's department because their 37-year-old son had attacked his father. Now, the son allegedly first assaulted him with a three-foot Christmas tree, but found that insufficient and tried to hit him with the tree's metal base. His mother and father were able to restrain him until the deputies arrived. Thomas Edward Lackey was charged with felony assault. (laughs) No motive was reported. However, his parents said, we told him, why should we buy you, 37 years old, that was the key, why should we buy you an Xbox when you never even played with your PSP? And the next thing we knew, the tree was flying. (laughs) My goodness, parents, let this serve as a warning to you. Choose your gifts carefully. No flying trees at your house. Amazon has listed the, uh, the top gifts for 2009 based on the hottest media coverage. Thought perhaps you might need a little help in finding your gifts this year. You can get a Kindle wireless reading device, the six-inch display. That'll only set you back 259 bucks. There's a Kindle wireless reading device, 9.7-inch display. That's $489. The Nintendo Wii console with Wii Balance Board and Wii Fit Plus game bundle. Here's the advertisement. Now you can build your own personal workout. You couldn't do it before this came out. Now you can build your own personal workout or choose from a variety of customized routines based on your own fitness goals. That, that will only put you back 346 bucks. This is my favorite. Lego Mindstorms NXT 2.0. Mindstorms NXT is back. And it's better than ever. New models. More customizable programming and all new technologies. You didn't get me these kind of Legos when I was a kid. (laughs) Mindstorms NXT 2.0. It combines the versatility of the Lego building system with all new technologies. An intelligent microcomputer brick and intuitive drag and drop programming software. The new 2.0 toolkit features everything you need to create your first robot in 30 minutes. $267. Isn't gift-giving great? Great joy, great pain in the neck. (laughs) Welcome to this fourth Advent Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the season. Coming right before Christmas, that day when gift-giving abounds in many households. And in our Sunday mornings together in this season, we have considered together what I think are some pretty amazing gifts. You won't find them on Amazon. You won't find them at the mall. They are gifts we have learned from God. They are the result of living in a right relationship with Him. They are those sought-after items. Hope, peace, and joy. They are three of the four traditional themes of the Advent season, which the church has been celebrating for Centuries. We've looked at each one of them through the eyes of the Christmas story. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world and, and how His life gives hope and peace 
and joy. Understanding those themes exclusively through the birth of Jesus Christ in the world. Is there hope in the world? There may be hope in some things. Is there joy? Is there peace? We really believe that it's temporal. If it's found at all, it won't last. It's circumstantial. But what we've been learning together is that that the birth of Jesus Christ is the source for lasting hope, lasting peace, lasting joy. Because in Jesus, we as men and women and children have the opportunity to come back into the relationship for which we were created. We were created for God. We were created to live in relationship with Him, relationship of, of, of intimacy, of closeness, of, of honesty, of transparency. All of those things that we struggle with on the day-to-day in our efforts to find hope and peace and joy. Found in Jesus. And this morning, we look at the fourth and the final theme represented by our, our last candle. Theme of love. Now, love is something that we know about, right? Yes. Love is what makes the world go round. That's what we're told. I don't really believe that. Although I read something this week where someone said, love doesn't really make the world go round, but it is what makes the ride worthwhile. Not bad. A few years back, Yahoo compiled a list of the uh, top ten words that web searchers want to define. And at the top of that list was love. So I looked up a few of the definitions of love for you that have been offered over time. And here are just a few. Love is a temporary insanity. It's curable by marriage. Love is like a rhino, short-sighted but always willing to find a way. Love is a state of mind which has nothing to do with the mind. Love is the triumph of imagination over intelligence. Okay, perhaps a little more on the positive note here. Love is the greatest refreshment in life. Love is a fabric which never fades no matter how often it is washed in the water of adversity and grief. Definitions offered by children, listen to these. Love is when someone hurts you. And you get so mad, but you don't yell at them because you know it would hurt their feelings. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. I think the kids are on to it. No doubt. Our text this morning is 1 John chapter 4. And I know it's, it's another non-Christmas text. I've done that to you the entire season. But it has everything to do with love. And in fact, it's here, I think, that we find the reason for the story. I think it's, it's here that we find the divine motive behind The birth of Jesus, the story that we have been celebrating the entire season. Now, just brief context for you. Uh, Those of you who are here on a regular basis, some of you remember back to our Colossians study. And in that Colossians study, we talked about uh, a belief that uh, plagued the early church called Gnosticism, taken from the Greek word, which means knowledge. 
And there were folks in the early churches who really believed that knowledge was the key to, to life. Knowledge was the key to freedom. Uh, there, were, there were all sorts of things that, uh, that grew up in the Gnostic heresies in the first and the second, third centuries. Uh, but not least of which was, was a predominant belief that, that ultimately the world in which we live is evil. In fact, the, the human body uh, is really of, of no account. The goal is to free the soul from the body. And so what that often did was that it, it led to uh, just a, a, a wanton immorality among a lot of people. And there were a lot of folks who who would work their way into the Christian congregations and they would pretty much live life as they wanted to, disregard for the laws of God, disregard for how they, they treated others, because it just wasn't important. More than likely, when John wrote this little letter at the end of the New Testament, one of the later books in the New Testament, uh, Gnosticism was beginning to, to become more full-blown in its form. And... And I think it's very likely that John was, was writing to folks who were struggling with the Gnostic way of lifestyle. Just how folks were living in blatant disregard and, and, and a blatant lack of love and caring and giving towards others. Now, with that as your background, let's stand and read these words from John. I think uh, it'll, it'll help a little bit with the perspective because we're kind of jumping right in. Uh, to, uh, to this letter. Let's read together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Wait a minute, let's read that again. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? Okay, good. Let's keep reading. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Don't get too comfortable because you've got to ask your neighbor, how does John define love? We just read it. Ask your neighbor, how does John define love? Go ahead. Ask someone nearby. It's okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> love makes the world go round. Love is a many splendored thing. According to John, what is love? Isn't that amazing? God is love. God is love. I wonder if if we really know what that means. You know, in this season when there is is so much talk of love, 
perhaps even more than any other time of the year, Advent reminds us, we know, we know that, that it's important to love. It's important to be loving people. And so we talk about love, we sing about love, we buy gifts to express our love, we, we strive to be more loving and we want to be loved. We even sometimes pray for love as we anticipate spending time with those over the holidays who might be just a little less than lovable. None of present company included that, of course, because we know, we know that it's right. And yet, are you troubled by those words that John just shared with us? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I claim to know God. I know that many of you claim to know God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. And that's a little bit concerning. Does he mean that we're loving all the time? Is four out of seven days good enough? Does that mean that I have to love in both the things that I say as well as my actions? Is it okay if I blow it sometimes? How many times can I not love and still be counted as someone who knows God? Author Anne Lamott says, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. <laughs> well, it's not, that I, I, it's not that I hate anyone. You don't hate anyone. But there are folks that, that I maybe don't like as much as I like somebody else. Does that count? Well, here's the truth. I don't think any of that stuff matters. It's strange to me how my mind works. I mean, when it does work, it's strange to me how it works. Because I read troubling statements like that, and my mind immediately travels down the path of, well, what if this? What if that? What about this scenario? What about that scenario? What about this individual, Lord? Do you know, the, do you know him or do you know her? Why is it that our minds are prone to travel down those paths of the what ifs? I think there is a bigger picture that is, that is hitting us right in the face here in this text. And I think it's exactly what John is driving at. It's like that old... Lexus Christmas commercial we've talked about before. You remember the one a few years back? Guy blindfolds his wife, takes her into the living room. Beautiful new Lexus sitting there with a gorgeous red bow on top of it. She looks at it and says, Where did you find a bow that size? I want a slapper. 
In some ways, I think when we get to a text like this and we ask questions about, well, what about this or what about that situation? It's the red bow. Don't miss the point of what John is driving at here. See, this is about understanding God's love so that we can live our lives in awe of who God is and what He has done for us in this very familiar story, the birth of the baby Jesus that we celebrate in this season. So, for just the uh, few minutes that we have remaining, I want us to talk for just a few minutes about God's love. It's more than an Advent theme. Of course, we know that. John says that God is love. We read that together. You've read that before, many of you. What does that mean, that God is love? It's fascinating to me because we know from Scripture that God is also holy. We know that God is righteous. We know that God is pure. We know that God is faithful. But John comes out here and says, this is, this is one of the few places in all of Scripture, maybe the only place in all of Scripture, where we have a statement of who God is labeled in this way. God is love. Because John is writing a letter to a group of folks who say it doesn't matter how you live and how you act towards others. It's all just a matter of what you know to be true. And John says, wrong. Let's rehearse some of the, uh, just two or three familiar truths that we have heard before. We, we know these, at least we sort of know these. And let's count on the Spirit of God this morning to give us ears to hear them perhaps in a new way so that they will find their way to those deep places in our hearts where we tend to run when we read texts like this and ask the questions of what about this and what about that. So that the truth that John is communicating to us here penetrates those areas and transforms them into places of of awe and adoration and wonder and amazement. I think the nugget in this text, there are several, but... The one that just jumps out for me is verse 10. We read it together. This is love, John says. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Make sure that you put those two things together. He loved us. And then He shouted from heaven, I love you! Yes sent His Son as a demonstration of His love for lost people. We know this, right? We've heard this before. Let's get a little more excited about it. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. Set his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I have a second little neighbor question here for you. Is it okay to have two of those on one Sunday? Of course it is. All right. What is John saying here? 
I mean, put it into to language that we understand. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Just put that in a few words, street language that makes sense. Go. What's John saying? Simple. All right, don't make this too complicated. Simple answer? What is it? Two things. Okay. Okay. Amen. That's pretty complicated. Can we simplify that? I like that, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Say it again, Diane. Love is proved by its action. Good. What else? Steve. Oh, good, good. Gary? Love is God sending Jesus. Rebecca? Yeah. He paved the way. Oh, that is good. Pun intended. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Familiar truth number one is God loved us first. This is John's version of nana, nana, nana. God did it first. God loved us first. Now, we know that, right? I mean, theologically, there's that little part of our brain. that's you know, we know that God loved us first. But yet in reality. Sometimes in the way that we live our lives, okay, the way that I live my life, you put the shoe on if it fits, I live my life as if I'm the one who found God. I'm the one who was seeking after Him, and I found Him. What good fortune! I ran into God. He said, hey, nice to meet you. How can I help you, guy? The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 3. And he was quoting from Psalms and prophets in the Old Testament. He said, there is no one righteous. Not even one. And he defines righteousness by those who understand and seek after God. He says, there is no one righteous. There's not even one. There is no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. Boy, that's an indictment of humanity. But even so, John says, God loved us. A pursuing, loving God. From the first day of our existence on this planet, God began planning and orchestrating the events of your life and my life to demonstrate His love for us. It's what love does. It pursues its It's like the story of the mom who who sat on her son's bed at three in the morning and he laid there in a drunken stupor. And the husband found his wife and said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm just sitting here loving him because he won't let me do that when he's awake. 
the mother had stepped into her son's dark world with a love that existed even though he didn't acknowledge it and love her back. That's what God did for us. That's what John is saying. God stepped into the darkness that we were lost in and he pursued us. When we didn't know it, we didn't necessarily care. Why? Because God is love. And that's what love does. Love acts. Love pursues. Love sacrifices. But, but not only did he love us first, but familiar truth number two, he loved us when we were unlovable. <laughs> Speak for yourself, sister. <laughs> we still are, is the profound word from the front. And it's true. The biblical term, the one that we don't like as much, is sinful. Again, the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 5. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is amazing love. You know, I, I want to love people when they get their act together. I want to love people when they see it my way. I want to love people when they act the way that I think they should. If they want to know that, they just need to ask me. I want to love people who are lovable. And the familiar truth that we need to hear again in a new way is that God loved us when we were unlovable. I'm okay with thinking that you were unlovable, but it troubles me a bit to think that I was unlovable because I'm a pretty nice fella. I think this may be the reason that we struggle to love certain people because they, in our estimation, are just not worthy of love. We'll take a ticket and get in line. Because it's true of all of us. Pastor Gasson leads one of the few public churches that has emerged in Baghdad after the fall of Saddam. His congregation erected a sign on their building. This is so bold. That said, Jesus is the light of the world. But the church was raided by bandits who left behind a threat on a piece of cardboard. And it read, Jesus is not the light of the world. Allah is and you have been warned. The note was signed, the Islamic Shiite Party. In response, Pastor Ghassan loaded a van with children's gifts and medical supplies, both of which were in short supply since the invasion of the Allies, and drove to the headquarters of the Islamic Shiite Party. And after presenting the gifts and the supplies to the Sheikh, Ghassan told the leader, listen to this, Christians have love for you because our God is a God of love. And he then asked permission to read from the Bible. Hassan turned to Jesus' words in John 8, I am the light of the world. He then showed the cardboard note to the sheik, the Muslim leaders, astounded by Pastor Thomas' actions, apologized. And they assured him that his congregation would have nothing to fear. How did God prove his amazing and undeserved love for us? He acted. And familiar truth number three. God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That was the action. John said it this way, for God so loved the world in his gospel, he said, God gave. For God so loved the world, he 
gave his one and his only son. He gave a gift. He gave the very best gift that he had to give. He spared no expense. He didn't struggle deciding what to give us. He didn't wonder if we would appreciate his gift. He knew what that was going to be. He gave. True love. John says, true love gives. This is love. Not that we love God, that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That little baby that we celebrate, the birth of Jesus this time of the year, the baby came to die. The baby came to die to pay the price for our rebellion. To pay the price for our sin, our rejection of the one whom we were created to live in relationship with. So that we might have opportunity to come back into a relationship of intimacy and love and closeness. That I think so many of us seek after, only found in God. The one whom we were created to have it with. Praise team, come on up and, and get ready to lead us as we respond. What will you do this season with God's love? Some of you, some of you know Jesus. Some of you I know are passionate followers of Jesus. And my encouragement to you would be to remember the lesson of this text. Love acts. Love gives. Love loves the unlovable. Love moves into the gap and gives love and presents love even when love isn't returned or expected or even wanted. That's what God did. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, that's, that's our model. Christ calls us to love as He had loved. For those of you, perhaps there are some of you here this morning who, this is, this is news to you. You don't know. That there is a gift that is waiting for you in Jesus. Oh, can I just say, at the risk of sounding trite, the best gift you could possibly receive in this Christmas season. And if you've never known that, if you've never made a decision in your life to just open your heart to the love of God so that you might know the relationship for which you've been created, may your journey stop here. Your journey of searching for love and hope and peace and joy. And stop here this morning. Ask someone before you go. Ask me, how can I have this gift that God has given to me in Jesus Christ? It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of saying, I turn to follow Jesus, the one who came to give me that relationship with God. May this be the day.